What's up, kangaroo chasers? Well, a very special treat to begin this episode. Before we get into our regular recording with Cubs of Big T in our regular interview, we've got a very special guest who has come in with a special mega golden point. You hear us talking every week about the PNG Digicel Cup, how great that is, how it deserves to be on TV, how it deserves some exposure. Well, we want to give it that. So the PNG Hunters coach, Matt Church, you will have heard him on this podcast before. He's kindly obliged. He's given us his three-minute round two wrap-up of the PNG Digicel Cup so we can get to get to know the players a little more, get to know the clubs a little more. I think it's fantastic. If you enjoy it, let us know via the socials and we'll keep doing it every single week. Over to you, Matty. Hi, and welcome to your 2020 wrap of the Digicel Cup, which is PNG National Rugby League competition. Um, just got some round two results here. Port Moresby Vipers, 12, beat Goroka Lahani's 10. Kimbe Cutters, 14, beat Wagi Tumbe, 4. The Rabul Gorias, 38, took on Gulf Iso and beat them 2-2. Two to two. Uh, Lay Snacks Tigers took this one out, 40-10 to 10 over Central Dubries. Mendy Murrocks, 22, beat Mount Hagen Eagles, 18. And to finish the round in a tight one, Hella Wigman, 19, beat Engermeal, 18. Just wanted to have a quick look at three games over the weekend. Um, the Port Moresby Vipers arguably have the strongest contingent of Hunters and Cummels players going back to them. It's fair to say they've probably struggled over the first two rounds just with those combinations of, uh, you know, the experience and the younger guys just gelling. So um, they'll be looking to improve that over the coming weeks. A couple of Hunters players and, and former Hunters and Cummels players stood out for the Vipers with Shane Nigel and Brendan Gattuno both current Hunters players uh, scoring tries. Gatuno's one was off the back of some really nice lead-up work from Massey Boas and former Kummel and, and Hunter Thompson Tete. Lahani scored a couple of late tries with Manu Soli and Safa Date scoring tries. Unfortunately, Nikki Hasu missed with a sideline conversion to tie that one up, so that one finished at 12-10. We go over to uh, the Lay Tigers now. They've won the three of the last four premierships and the last two back-to-back. So they always uh, have a have a strong contingent and they flex their muscle over the first two rounds, beating the Dubries 40 to 10. Junior Rop, Joe Joshua, both both Hunters players, they had really strong games and scored doubles, as well as uh, Anderson Benford, he, he got a double as well for the Tigers. Um, the Dubries scored two tries in the second half, one through Michael Yanis and one through Jerry Ware. And that one finished at 40 to 10 with Joe Josh probably having a, having a cracker of a game. Two tries and a, and a nice try assist as well. We head over to the Gurias game. Again, much like um, the Tigers, they, they, they field a very strong squad. Stanley Olo, who, who was, a, I guess, a late inclusion into our Hunters squad this year, he's uh, really set the world alight with, with us at the Hunters. And then also going back to the Gurias, he had a really nice game. Coming, starting off the bench, he's, a really, he's only a small nine, but he's quite electric. And he uh, set up one really good try to Terry Woppy and, and scored one himself, uh, some really good individual work. Just on Woppy, bit of a mixed bag from, from Terry. He was our round one saviour for the Hunters. He dropped a couple of balls early in the game and but um, finished strongly with two two tries to, to round that out. So that's our, that's our first wrap for round two. I guess looking looking forward, there's a bit of a mouth-watering clash next week with the Rabul Gurriers taking on the, the Lay Tigers, We're both far in advance in for and against ahead of anyone else in the competition. So it should be a strong game this weekend. So really looking forward to checking that one out. Catch you next week. Good evening, Biggest Tiger.
<laughs> Hi, mate. How are you? What, really? a funny, uh, what a funny way to start. How are you? Mate, I'm really well. Um, thanks for the sandwich last week. It was delicious. It was pretty good. Uh, and I've already found a new place for us for the second one. Good. Good. Keep them coming. Keep it's, them coming. It's not as close to your um, workplace, so I might have to buy them and bring them to you. Mate, that's okay. I'm, I'm sure I can meet you wherever wherever the sandwiches are. I will follow. Yeah, we had such a we had such a lovely um, rugby league chat. Anyone who's sitting around us would have been thoroughly uh, engrossed in all of the uh, hot takes that we were doing about merge clubs and and whatnot. They probably were sitting around us going, "Geez, this guy should have a podcast." I th- someone actually mentioned that to me afterward. No, I'm just kidding, but it was a good chat. <laughs> it was good, and it was good to catch up in person because. Ever since COVID nineteen, we haven't been recording episodes together. So yeah. yeah, to be in in front of the big man once again, it was good, and we had a good chat, good sandwich. So, but anyway, mate, it's been an awesome weekend of uh, of rugby league. My Dragons finally had a great game. They played really well. Um, Tigers, they played all right, but I, I don't know. I tipped the Tigers, but you know they came close, I guess. But how are you feeling about that one? Uh, I thought. Uh, South played played pretty well, and and we were lucky to get any points. That's about it. Such a diplomat, such a diplomat. Yeah, I, yeah, I think they were. They were. I mean, all of our points came in junk time, but they. Um, yeah, no, I think I think South looked good. I really hope that they build and get stronger. I don't think that's that that performance will beat many of the top four teams, but it'll. Um, they they work like that all year. They'll get into the top eight. Yeah, good times, good times. But let me do this uh, early because last week. Mercho complained because it took way too long for me to get uh, the intro out. But uh, what's up, podcast? I'm Michael Carboni. You're listening to episode 76 of the Chasing Kangaroos podcast. You're listening to Chasing Kangaroos, the rugby league podcast for fans who are passionate about seeing the game played in more places. All right, Mercho, we got that one out of the way, mate. So, uh, Big T, awesome one once again tonight. A little bit closer to home once again. So, obviously, um, we usually talk international rugby league, as our listeners know, development from all the way around the world. Sometimes mm. we talk about expansion and development in Australia as well, and this one is is one that was a good conversation. I enjoyed having it a few weeks ago with Nicholas Livermore, who's the CEO of the Brisbane Bombers. Um, really exciting chat. And uh, I'm also excited because there's been a dearth of information come out around this expansion club. Peter Volandis. Peter Volandis? No, no, I don't think anyone ever says his first name. No one so. says, he's just Volandis now, just God Yeah, Volandis, Volandis. Yeah. It, it sounded weird coming out of my mouth. <laughs> Volandis, um, Volandis is pretty much says it's going to be a second Brisbane team. So everyone's talking about that. There's been some excellent podcasts recently yep. uh, around around the Brisbane Bombers, and we were also very lucky to um, we'll have a Carboni on our team that, that wheels and deals in the high circles <laughs> of rugby league and so was able to get the big bomber on. I but, don't know um, about that, but I will say this, right? We um, The idea that Big T and I had, guys, was to try and get someone from each of the bids together yeah. and have all the interviews in one one massive like Brisbane expansion interview. I even reached yeah. out to the guys from the Perth Pirates just to get an outside of Brisbane perspective because, you know, some of our listeners and myself included, 
Um, I don't mind the idea of expanding to Perth or, or New Zealand too or something like that as well, but Brisbane's obviously the hot topic. It's been pinned on the map as ha- for having a second team by by Mr. Volandis himself, so what he says usually happens. But we did mm. um, we did reach out to all of the bids and only the Bombers responded. So rather than having four bids tonight, we're just talking to the Bombers. And some people have reached out via in, uh, Instagram, Facebook and Twitter very quickly and said, oh, you should get everyone else on. We tried. And um, I guess the reason why the Bombers are at the forefront of this expansion talk, why they are front a front row centre when it comes to, they're yep. pretty much the media darlings out of the four bids because they make themselves available. And this is an example of that. So uh, good conversation. Um, the biggest question for me was what about the name, like Bombers, because there's been a lot of um, controversy about that, especially recently yeah. in the media. Wherever you stand on it, you know, give these give this a listen because I think the Bombers bid is quite strong. Um, and okay. I did ask the question, would you guys change the name, the nickname, if it uh, came down to it? So, yeah, wait to hear that one. But, yeah, really okay. awesome. Hey, well, thank God, because, well, I, I'm, I mean, I'm super keen. I get to be a fan because I am a big fan. I listened to NRL Boom Rookies. They did a great job yeah. of, of going through all four proposals, and they pretty much said Bombers is the strongest, bestest one moving forward, except the name. The name is terrible. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah. they also got their – they got a lot of energy and love behind a – Western Corridor vibe, which is about country, kind of country rugby league. Yeah, yeah, so it yeah. had probably the the least amount of actual planning and stuff behind it. But in terms of an idea and, and something well, that, moving forward, that's the bit going to be like, easy the best. It's that whole Arthur Beatson concept. It's the indigenous yes. sort of um, sort yes. of vibe as well. I think that's good too. And I will say as well, the 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 invitation's still out. So. While we didn't get oh, responses from the other bids, if they do want to come and chat to us after hearing this or hearing about this, then we mm. want to hear your side of the story too. Because all we're doing really, we're not arguing one what's better one way or the other. We're just going to put all the, all the questions out there, get all the answers that we can. And you guys at home, the listeners, can um, can decide for yourself which Brisbane bid do you prefer or do you still prefer for, it to, uh, for the next team to come from, say, WA, New Zealand, Papua New Guinea, Adelaide? Fiji, wherever you want. So really good chat though, mate. So I can't wait to, to get to it. Um, our, uh, our friend, uh, oh, best name in rugby league. Um, Which you can't remember. From Steel Sports. <laughs> Steel oh, yeah. Sports. Albi uh, Talarico. Albi Talarico. Thank you. Uh, he, that's why you're here, buddy. It's just so that you can help me with my, uh, with my names. Uh, he also has the front office and they did a great episode about the Bombers recently and then moved on, I think, to... Perth versus Wellington. Um, and so there's so much great chat about expansion, hash, grow rugby league. Um, and it's so exciting to see. And it'll just mean also more merch in the in the coffers of Mascot Browns, mascotbrowns.com.au. Good little uh, you know, segue there, mascotbrowns.com, mascotbrowns.com.au. Big man, tell the listeners how they get 10% off. Well, they just type in 2020 Vision. Uh, because we're all obviously massive Kanye West for president fans, <laughs> and so and so if you type that in there, you get ten percent off Sunny Bill Williams or anybody you want. Um, I just roll around in my Sunny Bill Williams t-shirt often because uh, I'm a smart cookie. I reckon all the money that Mascot Browns are making from you purchasing all this stuff with a ten percent discount, it's been worth it for them. So fantastic, fantastic stuff, guys. Let's get to some golden points before we get to the interview. Yeah. So the big one. Uh, the big one uh, for me this week was comes from Golden Point Europe, 
Um, so it's been confirmed that the Men's European Championship A, which was due to be played in October, November this year, will be cancelled. Uh, the B, mm. C and D tournaments, the championships there, they're all due to be played in October as well. Well, they've been postponed, so now they're going to be rescheduled to 2021, uh, which will signify the start of qualification for the 2025 Rugby League World Cup. Basically, it couldn't happen this year for obvious reasons, guys. It's just another COVID, yeah. another, co- uh, another sad part of the COVID story. There's nothing much you can do about it. Um, and we've got a World Cup next year, so my, all the teams in that Championship A are going to be taking part in that World Cup, so they won't be taking part in this. But good to see B, C and D tournaments still happening. Good to see the qualification process starting for 2025. Um, and the interesting Oof. news to come out of this article, Big T, I don't know if you read it from the RLEF, but 2022, the European Championship A competition, they're saying will increase to eight nations. So yeah, they're projecting, yeah, they're projecting inclusion of England to the top, mm. which is fantastic to see. We've been calling on this show for to see England play the likes of France, Wales, etc. A little bit more. So this is going to be, hopefully, that chance. And also the top side from Championship B, so the team that wins Championship B in twenty twenty one, will be promoted to that Championship A. Love so it'll be that. eight eight teams total. Absolutely fantastic. What do you reckon? Well, it's such a European vibe. It's not much of an Australian vibe, but that kind of promotion and relegation is something that really speaks to Europe, and so it's great that yeah. that's happening. It's great to see. But it also just feels like everyone's a bit more in it all together and hoping everything works together instead of just being like there are top teams and we hope the bottom teams work. Once you link everyone in with progression and, and relegation, it means that they're, they're assuming that Group B is going to be around for a long time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because if you're going to drop someone down to it, you can't just let them disappear. So, so there, it's it's a real sign that this is growing and this is all built together, and that they're all Europe is kind of locking in a, a lot better in, in terms of playing and and making sure games happen and things like that. So it's super super exciting. It is great. And can I? Is, have you got something else to say about it? Could I do one of my excellent um, shifts to my golden point? I, I will say one more thing. I'm not convinced yet, and I haven't heard anything, but and it's still a little bit. It's far out for now, but I'm not convinced England will take part in that because simply because uh, simply because Kangaroo Tour, which was meant to be this this year as well, um, apparently being postponed, and they're talking 2022 as well. So if there's a Kangaroo mm. Tour, will England play in this European Championship? A don't know. We'll find out soon, I suppose. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting. At least look, both great. Um, don't know what you'd prefer. Ask me again in a year's time, but. Yeah, either way, good to see the expansion of the European Championship in 2022. What about you? Um, What's your golden point, big well, man? Well, I'm loving the the whole France-England things getting stronger and, and France getting stronger is only going to be bolstered by the news that the Pacific Therese French Rugby League <laughs> announced that partnership. Did you hear that? That they, they officially made that, that Pacific Therese thing part of their family. How good is their that? Umbrella. Yeah, how good is that? So the French Rugby League 13 certifying Pacific Trezors an official affiliate. So basically it means that we're going to see partnership between the two uh, once once Pacific Trez does make it into the Queensland Cup. I'm so confident that they will be there in 2024. Oh, yeah, yeah. It means we're going to see, look, for, for it's great for both parties because a lot of the new Caledonian-born players technically could represent France. Um, and if they're good enough, they will. It's definitely a pipeline there. But also it's a good opportunity for young French players who are not quite ready you know, for League One Championship Super League, uh, but maybe a little too good for French Elite One and Elite Two. They can try mm. their way through Queensland Cup and maybe it's a pathway into the NRL for some young French talent as well. All it's going to do is strengthen the French Rugby League 
uh, national yep. side, and it's fantastic, fantastic news. And and it just again talks about connections and making everyone feel like it's a lot more real or a lot more supported. Once we see if you play well here, it means a national spot here, or it means national recognition there. Just recognizing that things exist, something as simple as this, or just going, "Yes, you're part of our umbrella," really galvanizes and motivates people in in funny parts of the world, and it just strengthens the rugby league community and and improves people's lives. It's such fantastic news. I'm so I'm really around it. And if you add to that, Big T, you know, last week we mentioned Ottawa Aces were their new coach whose name I pronounced terribly. Oh, thank yeah. You, thank you to all the listeners who, who you know, DM'd me this week to let me know how poorly I pronounced the guy's name. But <laughs> French coach, they're looking at French players as well. There's talk that they're going to bring a French halfback across to the Ottawa Aces as well. Nothing confirmed yet. But, you know, you'd think a couple of French guys coming through that pathway as well towards Super League, some French players coming through this pathway towards the NRL. It's, it's bloody amazing. And add to that, Toulouse trying to make it into Super League and who knows maybe some more French teams making their way up into like League One and Championship levels. I think we're going to finally get this uh, French revolution that we've been waiting decades for. Yeah, and our friend Andrew Ferguson, Andrew RLP, <laughs> um, was crying out for in his episode about the World Cup. Now, um, my final golden point, I know you've probably got some cheeky ones. I haven't seen anything from Serbia, but I'm sure you've got something up no, to leave. Nothing from Serbia um, this week, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other one, you were just talking then about NRL linking to France, like French players coming in the NRL, and also Toulouse trying to get into Super League, and you're transitioning me beautifully Good into, segues, eh? into, I know, we're killing it. It's almost into like we've landed. Super we Leagues. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't, no. You can hear me fumbling over the segue. There's no way we planned this. The um, Super League's trying to do new rules. You know I'm a big uh, a referee person. Oh, and just golden point to Bowman um, District. We start this Sunday, 19th. Yeah. Good stuff. Getting a thousand emails about it. I can't wait. Um, so, so that's my refereeing starts this Sunday. But in in Super League news, they're thinking about doing the six again rule, and they're thinking about binning scrums completely, and then taking in a bunch of other normal rules that everyone should have done, like the uh, if the ball gets hit by a referee or a trying to trying to just go back to the last play of the ball and those kind of things. But the one about no scrums. Is big because we didn't. NRL hasn't even done that one, and the six again rule is yeah. still contentious here. So it's interesting that they're they're going to probably grab that one as well. It is huge. It's good to see a lot of the rules aligning with NRL Super League rules aligning. I think that's fantastic. The scrum, obviously, the big one because we're not doing it here now. It's, if if they do it, it's only going to be for twenty twenty at this stage, but it could yeah. be the start of something. There's been a lot of talk for a long time, and most recently as well in the press here in Australia. Your mate Phil Gould has been quite verbal on it in the last few days about how the scrum is pretty much dead and we should get rid of it. I'm, I've, I've kind of been saying the same thing for a little while. I'm not t- too fussed one way or the other. I think the scrum just gets in the way sometimes and there's no real purpose for it anymore. So I'm for me, if there's no scrum, it doesn't bother me. It looks less like rugby union, which is probably a good thing. And eventually rugby union will probably evolve to get rid of their scrum as well, the way they're going, more, looking more and more like league. But mate, what do you, how do you feel about the scrum? I know you're you're very much like an old school footy guy sitting on the hill at Leichhardt Oval wearing your nineteen eighties <laughs> Balmain Tigers jersey. How do you feel about the scrum potentially disappearing? And I know it's only Super League, but for now, but it could well be, you know, it could well be every year, and it could be the code across the world. Well, it's first of all, it's amazing that my nineteen eighties jersey still fits. So can I just do a <laughs> shout out to my fitness regime? Um, but look. Uh, I, I don't know if you're saying it in jest, but I, Phil Gould still is my friend. I love Phil Gould, uh, and, uh, 
And although he's, I don't know, my uh, opinions don't always align with him, I, I still love and adore that man. Um, I'm still pro scrums at the moment. I'm, ha- I'm not I'm not staunch dying on that hill. I'm happy to be persuaded either way, but I'm currently still pro scrums just because of, it just opens up the field heaps. So from a coaching point of view, let's just, if I look at it from, because I'm also a junior league coach, so from a coaching point of view, I love it because of the it's a time where everyone knows the set plays on, and so everyone's in the right position. The structure is really good, and there's a lot more space. And so I love that aspect of it. That's fine if, if they are in their positions and if they do run a set play and if they do use a set Well, the NRL does. NRL players should be doing it. Usually. It's hard. I mean, from a junior, I can. it's easy for me to coach um, scrums once the ball's out. But but from a refereeing point of view, it's they're really challenging because um, they have to be – there's heaps of rules around scrums because it's a rugby union hangover. The rugby union loves rules, and so there are heaps of rules in scrums and – there's a particular way that there's a particular vocab that referees have to use, and there's a particular run path we need to use to get in and out of scrums. And yep. there's heaps for us to focus on during a scrum. So, refereeing wise, it'll be incredible. There are no scrums up until about, I think it's age 15. So, yep. no, sorry, there's no, th- it's up until age 13, but we can't contest scrums till 15. Well, it's all coming back to me now. But, um, <laughs> but, and so you don't even notice it in those, in those leagues. It's, and we only have, them in 13s to 15s to get them ready for when they when they do need to use it. And that's why we start coaching set things. But so would we notice it if we lost them? Probably not. But I think they're still valuable now while we've got them. I can't wait to see how the Super League goes without it and what the blowback, if any of it is. But while we're talking about that, I actually want us to take the Super League free play rule. Do you know you, you know the one I'm talking about? I might be miss. Maybe I've got the wrong name for it. Explain it. Explain it. It's when something happens, like a knock-on or something like that, and then the referee shouts, I think, free play. Oh, it's like or a zero a penalty. tackle. It's, well, it's actually more like a, a very overt, I'm playing advantage, I'm playing advantage, I'm playing advantage. There was no advantage, we're going to go back. So if there's if there's some kind of penalty or a rake ball, instead of blowing a penalty straight away, I think the Super League referees shout free play, and then they get that tackle, and if, he, and if the referee thinks, yeah, that was good enough, an advantage they play on and if he doesn't then he goes back to that penalty so it's similar to playing advantage but it's way more obvious it's way more yeah. um so all so everyone does something crazy so once he shouts free play there's a chip and chase on or, or they're throwing the ball out wide like crazy because they're just seeing it yeah that this if we don't really if we essentially we don't score in this play it comes back to that that penalty or that infringement so yeah i like that good example it, of super it, league leading the way with some rules because they don't often do that. So we've yeah free play. I like it. Get rid of the scrums. If I like if it. Sorry, I remember sorry, it right. Big T. Get rid of the scrums. I'm not a fan. Okay. But um, but uh, we can disagree. We're allowed to. It's all good. Yeah. But um, David Hunter. David Hunter is a bigger Super League fan. So if he if he can tell me that if I've got that free play run wrong, please let me know, mate. Are you? Just, I think that's. Are you just shouting out to David Hunter because he shouts out to you on all of his podcasts as well? <laughs> like a little thing. I you just guys don't want him to on. be. <laughs> no, I just don't want him to be jealous. He's part of the big T. That's exactly what he network. said. <laughs> anyway, I, I love it. I know. I listen to his podcast. I love, I love it. Him. Um, yeah, oh, it's going to be look. It's going to be really interesting to see. So no scrums. It'll be great to see how it works. And I'm happy if if I'm happy to be proven wrong. But um, yeah, I'm I'm really looking. I hope hopefully they go through with it for the rest of the year. And I'm looking forward to see how it goes. I also like a little term you just coined there. Um, rugby union hangover. Yeah, for mm. for like oh, I like that. I've never heard that before. That was cool. Uh, golden point, Nicaragua. Here we go. Uh, rugby league. Nicaragua. Yeah, rugby league's back in Central America. There was a friendly match played last week, uh, but in 
Chinadenga uh, last weekend. The ULUA Manangua side have defeated the Chinandenga Volcano, which is an awesome name, the Volcano. They won 22-18. Oh, yeah. It was a tight game, wet conditions, and good to see Rugby League back uh, for hopefully the start of the season very soon in the Nicaragua Rugby League. Have you got if any someone others? Can remind thing? us. Hmm? Nah. If someone can remind us, in 2021, we should keep track of all of the names that you and I hear and go, oh, I like that name. What a name. And then we have like a end-of-year power rankings of best, best names. Uh, rugby league names that we found over a season. So we'll, I'll hopefully I remember to do that in 2021. I like that name is like my version of your, he's the nicest guy in rugby league. You know that? You're, you know how you love everyone that you speak to? You know? Yeah, what's that? your version? I love that name. I love that name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also yeah, mispronouncing yeah. French words. Um, last golden point, big man, for me, before we get to this uh, Brisbane Bombers interview with Nicholas Livermore. Uh, London Nines. Um, so the oh. 2020 London Nines, which was due to be played this weekend and it was cancelled for obvious reasons um, earlier this year. But the organisers, organisers of the event will be streaming seven hours worth of content from the event yes. last year. So it's going to be Sunday, 19th of July. This this is all going to be free, obviously, on their Facebook page. Um, hasn't been seen before unless you were on Sports Flick last, last year watching this. Uh, it will include 20 games from the main pitch, interviews, etc., wow. from teams from 12 nations involved, uh, including the Welsh Mighty Ducks, who we sponsored. We, you'll see our logo on the sleeves if you're watching. Of course, Red Star Belgrade were there from, from Serbia. Africa United, which is an Australian-based team, were there as well. We have good friends of ours playing in that side as well. Edinburgh Eagles were there. And Roots Rugby League, the men's and women's side from the USA, were there as well. And plenty more, of course. Uh, and big man, I haven't told you this yet, but proud to announce that we will be co-streaming the event on our Facebook page. So, All uh, right. Yeah, follow along, Chasing Kangaroos on Facebook. Uh, keep a lookout for it. I'm not too sure how the time zones are going to work yet. I'll figure it out in the next couple of days. But keep a lookout and watch along. There's seven hours of content there. Make sure you catch some of it on our Facebook page, The London Nines from 2019. Yeah, and if you do, let us know through the socials as well. Give us a... Uh Give us a little shout out that you're doing it so we can um, thank you and, we'll and talk you about it. Yeah, we'll, we'll give you a shout out next week. And speaking mm, of yeah. uh, getting, getting, <gasps> getting to us, the, uh, the big episode, yeah. the big call-in episode, um, I'm excited. I chase, I chase roos with carbs and tea, big tea. <laughs> We're going to have to get some more prizes, I think, because everyone's going to be saying it. But um, we've got uh, like overwhelming response, guys. Thank you so much. We, have, we now are in a position where we have too many people for one episode, I reckon. Oh. We're going to have to power out as many as we can. Some will, will miss out. I'm sure some will not answer the phone and things will go wrong, so it's probably better. <gasps> can you imagine? Than, yeah, it's be- imagine that. We'll leave a message. We'll leave a voice message. But, um, yeah, really good. The response has been overwhelming. Keep them coming if you like because the more the merrier and we'll try and get through as many as we can on the night. But, yeah, big a big thank you to everyone who's DM'd me and Big T as well on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to let us know you want to be a part of the listener call-in or the yeah, call-in episode, which will be probably happening in the next couple of weeks. So just trying to iron out a couple more details and a few more prizes and things like that for, for callers who ask us great questions and, you know, tell us that they chase kangaroos with carbs and big tea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And also just do it in life, fam. I think you'll find that you'll be smiling more if you just answer the work phone instead of with... <laughs> Hi, I'm Andrew from Telstra. You just go, hi, I chase carbs with carbs and big tea. I, I chase roots with carbs and big tea. 
I test carbs all day. That's the problem. That's why I'm such a big tea. But um, you know, my wife has a T-shirt uh, that says "I love carbs," and you know, you oh, know yeah. smart. How good is it? Anyway, yeah, that's really good. Let's get over. It should, to... shouldn't be that hard to be find a T-shirt that says "I love tea." I should find one for my wife. This is great. Do it. Do it. And then yeah. we'll yeah done. I'll buy you one for your birthday. Um, <laughs> guys, that's enough from Big T and I. We'll we'll be back with some golden points next week, obviously. But for now, over to my interview with Nicholas Livermore from the Brisbane Bombers. Uh, Great chat. Big T, I'll see you next week. And fuck yeah, nobody. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, as you know, normally we do talk about International Rugby League development of the game all the way around the world. Sometimes we do come a little bit closer to home. We talk a little bit of NRL, and especially when it comes to expansion of our game, when when we come to talking about more teams, whether it be in, in WA, second New Zealand teams, Papua New Guinean teams, Central Coast teams, or Brisbane teams. And it's a pleasure to have uh, the director of the Brisbane Bombers, Mr. Nicholas Livermore on the line. Nick, how are you, buddy? I'm going fantastic. Thank you for having me along and always pleasure to talk about rugby league, particularly in Brisbane. Mate, sensational. Well, for the listeners who aren't too sure exactly who you are or don't know much about you, give us a little bit of your background, mate, in rugby league. Yeah, my uh, late father, Ross, was the managing director of the Queensland Rugby League for 30 years, uh, retired in 2011. I've been really fortunate uh, growing up in a rugby league family. Uh, I think I've had every job from ball boy to ice cream vendor <laughs> yep. uh, in, in the crushes development system and been really fortunate. I uh, started my own business uh, when I was 20 and uh, managed to get involved in and around rugby league with corporate hospitality and uh, set up my own business um, in the mid-2000s. And uh, it's been a really exciting journey. Uh, I love the game. Uh, I think it, it transcends demographics. It doesn't matter what background you come from, whether you're uh, a migrant to Australia or you're a diehard rugby league fan since birth. Uh, I think our great game just reaches so many different areas of people's lives. And, you know, we've seen how passionate people are, particularly through, you know, the the COVID where we've not had it. And I I think all of us, me included, have just been really appreciative of the game coming back on and and gives us something to to look forward to on the weekend. So um, I'm I'm hopeful that we can get more rugby league in Brisbane and and part of the Bombers trying to get a, a 17th franchise into the NRL. Mate, and definitely many would wish you well as well. Now, we hear about this all the time, expansion. It, it's, it's, it's on the back page of the papers or in the news every year or so. We hear about it. But the, every time we do hear about it, we seem to hear about the Bombers as well. They're the one team that is always there in the headlines. Whenever we hear about expansion in the newspaper, there's a picture of you holding a Bombers ball or something like that. So you guys are always there. Tell me about the genesis of the club, where it all began, how it get started. We started the bid back in 2010, so a full full decade ago, which feels like an eternity sometimes. Uh, It started out with uh, some discussions because there was a push for a bid out of central Queensland, uh, Rockhampton, and a gentleman, great guy um, by the name of of Jeff Murphy, and he was desperate to have a team out in Rockhampton. And all the feedback from the NRL uh, was that that was never going to happen. So we sat down and did an analysis of placing the team in Brisbane and maybe playing some pre-season matches out in into the regions and, and reaching uh, areas like Rockhampton or Toowoomba or Mackay and Cairns and those areas that don't traditionally get much rugby league content, certainly not at the NRL level. 
And the analysis came back that realistically Brisbane was the only place to have this team based out permanently. So uh, it, it evolved from that and we sat down and met with David Gallup who was the then uh, NRL CEO, and he indicated that they were looking to expand in 2013 and add a new Brisbane team. And it just evolved from there. But um, obviously, we've had a number of CEOs and commissioners. I was going to say, you've really dated the story by mentioning David Gallup. That's how long ago it was. (laughs) It's uh, Look, it's a little bit of Groundhog Day, and and look, for you your followers that that do understand, uh, when the commission came in, we had John Grant, Shane Matiski, then we had Dave Smith. Then we had Shane Richardson do the whole of game strategy. And more recently, uh, Todd Greenberg and Peter Beattie. And now we've got Peter Volandi, who you know, I, I believe is the, the right person to, to take rugby league into the 2020s and beyond. Um, so it, look, it has been a bit of a uh, evolution of uh, the bid and the Bombers in particular. But ultimately, we've always maintained we – we want to be part of a journey that grows rugby league, whether that be at participation, viewership, or game day attendance. Yep, and, and that's really driven the catalyst behind our our modelling to say how do we get more people involved? How do we get more people watching? How do we get more people playing? And and that's the backbone of what the Brisbane Bombers are about. And and ultimately, if you're a rugby league fan, you just want to see our great game become even better. Hundred percent. 100%. We can all agree on that. And was there ever a moment during that bid where you thought, we're in? And, and alternatively as well, did you ever feel like giving up? I mean, it's been a long ride. I, I did step out for a year um, in 2017 when Todd Greenberg just said, look, we're not going to do anything for the next couple of years. Yep. And, um, you know, as most people do, we've all got careers. And um, I'd put mine on hold, uh, put my own business on hold for a long period of time. So I did take 12 months out of it, which um, was good for my mindset as well, particularly when uh, Todd had straight up and down said, no, we're not going to expand in, in the, the short term. But um, to answer the first part of the question, uh, do we ever think we were in? Uh, we had a meeting in 2015 with uh, the NRL in April uh, of that year, and the commission indicated that they were putting their uh, whole of game footprint for the next five years forward after the grand final uh, of 2015. And we went back uh, just before the grand final and had a four-hour planning session with the commission. And Scott Sattler, who is our uh, GM of of Rugby League um, and does our football program for us, uh, Scott was also part of the Titans bid in 2005 when they got the nod. And we walked out of that NRL meeting and Scott said to me, Nick, I'm more confident of the Bombers getting in after that meeting than I ever was at any point of the oh, Titans wow. getting in. Yeah. And and we walked away. And, of course, you never put the, the car before the horse. Um, you know, it's not yours till it's yours. But that that was a real boost in terms of the NRL indicating we're going to expand, we're going to put Brisbane in get ready because we're going get, to get for a tender uh, over the next couple of weeks. What inevitably delayed that, though, was when the finances were done and they renegotiated the TV deal for 2018, uh, they decided from a club's perspective we were going to give each of the uh, clubs $3 million above the salary cap to help for marketing and football costs, etc. So when you give 16 clubs $3 million each, that's $48 million you know, times five years, which is your typical 
uh, NRL TV deal that's, you know, $200 million plus. So it yeah. zaps out a lot of money for, you know, expansion and development and, and growing the game. So that's where we find ourselves come 2020. Um, but the landscape has changed with Peter Volandis and I think his track record of saying and doing uh, is a lot different to some of his predecessors. 100% what Peter says happens typically i think he's a bit of a clairvoyant but um he um he's one thing he has said and and you know some of our listeners will disagree with this but he said that brisbane is definitely the way to go you know and a lot of our listeners will talk about western australia the pirates over there or we'll talk about a second um new zealand team two very popular options but uh peter valandis thinks brisbane is the better option and i want to know in your in your mind why you think brisbane 2 is a better option than wa or new zealand 2 for example i think when it comes to people's opinions i'm i'm always really careful to to dismiss um, another region or a city because people are really passionate about their their areas so when you talk about perth uh, and I know John Saxon really well from yep. the West Australia Rugby League, you wouldn't meet a nicer guy or a more passionate guy for, for his region. And uh, I, I'm always really careful about discrediting, you know, why we should be over someone else because I think they're in it for the same reasons um, I am and our team is. They want to see more rugby league in their area, whether it's, you know, a New Zealand franchise or Central Queensland or Central Coast, um, yep. you know, Billy Moore, who's been part of our bids, obviously been part of the North Sydney um, franchise for a very long time. Yeah. So I'm always mindful of what, saying why Brisbane's better, but I'll always talk about it from what Brisbane offers. And when you have a look at the the population, the participation, the avail- available resources, Brisbane is the logical choice. Um, when you have a look at the Australian landscape, um, whether that's in business or sport, we're very duopolistic in that there's always two main competitors. So breaking it down, if you have a look at, say, the business landscape, Coles and Woolworths dominate the grocery industry. We've had Qantas and Virgin, you know, Pizza Hut and Domino's. In Australian business, there's always a landscape for two major players in any market. And when you have the Broncos um, dominating the market, in every category of sponsorship or corporate partner that they've got, we're leaving one out. Um, and those partners are looking elsewhere, whether it's in AFL and the Brisbane Lions are doing incredibly well at the moment, yeah. whether it's Big Bash cricket or we're talking non-sporting spend. So rugby league's got a self-imposed limit on who we can reach um, in terms of partners and in terms of number of games, etc. And that's to no fault of the Broncos. They can't play twice a weekend. Yeah. But by introducing a second team, now we're doubling the capacity for us to reach young boys and girls, men and women, um, to participate in the game, whether it's at touch or full contact. We're re- doubling the opportunities to reach commercial partners in a very captive market where there's 4 million people um, in the southeast corner, and it's one of the, the largest growing regions in the country. Um and to Peter Volandi's point, you, you need to go where rusted on fans are to really grow the game. Um, and that's not to dismiss, you know, the work of, of what's happened in Perth, where we've seen the nines and state of origin or the passion for the game in some of the regions, whether it be, you know, it might be Fiji or, you know, in Wellington or Christchurch for that matter. Um, and even on the central coast where the Bears have been pushing for a very long yeah, time. So have. it's... um. There's a number of arguments as to why Brisbane is the logical choice, but as I said, it's um, 
it's not to the detriment of any of those other regions. And I'm, you know, as I said, the people that are driving those bids are just as passionate and, and have been going just as long as we have. So, you know, it's, I think, a testament to the game that so many people want to get involved um, and put a team in at the highest level. I agree with that. And I won't argue on the commercial viability of a second team in Brisbane. The TV figures may be great as well for Channel 9. Uh, I think those things are wonderful. But my, my big question is around the fans. So, you know, we keep hearing that, you know, there's a number of fans in Brisbane that hate the Broncos and won't support them. But surely those fans have other NRL teams that they support or they don't support rugby league at all. So what part of the market do you see for the Bombers? Like, who are the Brisbane Bombers going to represent? So you hit it on the head. There's a portion of people that don't align themselves with the Broncos. Now, market research and our data shows this. It's actually 55% of rugby league fans don't align themselves with the Broncos. So you've got a tremendous amount of rugby league base or the majority that don't have a team. Now, they might support South Sydney or the Bulldogs or the Warriors, and you're not going to slay them. You're not going to get them jumping from South Sydney. But what you do give them a chance to do is get behind a team or their second team and come along and support the Bombers because they're never going to support the Broncos. You've also got a captive market there, um, and and this will show my age now, that when the Crushers came in (laughs) in 95, they picked up a first year 24,500 average crowd. Now, when they left the competition in 97, you know, as a result of the, the Super League, the Broncos didn't increase their membership base or their average attendance by 24,000. They stayed the same. So where did those fans go? Mm. And where, where are those rugby league fans now? Now, obviously, we're, you know, 20 years down the track. Yep. But Brisbane's got a million extra people now. So w- where are the fan base that the, the Brisbane Heat, for example, that have picked up with an average crowd of 26,000? Where, where have they come from? when the Big Bash started or, um, for example, um, the the Netball Super Series when that's kicked off. Um, there, there's fans there that are stagnant and ready to, to embrace. And our research also shows us there's 10,000 transient fans that will just go to whatever's popular at the moment as well. And when there's no rugby league on when the Broncos are away um, – they may come to our games as well. So there's a whole market across two or three different facets that rugby league can pick up. And what a lot of people south of the border don't realise is during season, we can go a month sometimes without having a game at Suncorp Stadium. And apart from Magic Round, we've had one daylight game in the last 24 months in Brisbane. So how are we reaching young fans? How are we getting mum and dad to take their eight-year-old son and seven-year-old daughter along to a game? When at 7.50 on a Thursday or a Friday night, that's just far too late to go. And again, it's through no fault of the Broncos, but how are we going to reach those young people when we're not having Saturday and Sunday afternoon football top flight rugby league where they can go and watch their heroes? So there's a whole market there that's available, and it's certainly not about you know bagging the Broncos or trying to pull their database um, and membership base away. It's about growing the pie and getting more people to support the game. Yep, it sounds like there's an opportunity there for the next generation, especially with those day games, assuming that Channel 9 doesn't just put uh, Friday night in Brisbane every week. <laughs> but anyway, that's a, that's a possibility probably as well. Yeah, that'd be a detriment to, to the game. And that's something I've spoken to Peter Valandis about, you yep. know, uh, nauseam, uh, about having uh, alternate weekends. Have the Broncos on a Friday night at home, we'd play away on a Sunday afternoon in Sydney. 
um, and then maybe we'd play at home on a Sunday the following weekend. The, the main thing is you you want daylight games, and while TV is such an important part, uh, a big a big directive of of what we've put forward to the commission um, over the years is we want to be an entertainment brand, and we want to uh, be more than just eighty minutes on the field, and and that's why we've we've gone with the uh, the Bombers brand purely for an entertainment factor to try and draw fans in and and be more more than just eighty minutes because you have to compete um, for people's minds and hearts and dollars and. It's just so easy these days to uh, to stay at home and watch it on your 4K high def TV at home rather than actually you know jump a bus or a train and and go to a game with the family. So it's um to your point certainly you can't have Brisbane just playing every Thursday or Friday night. It's not going to grow the pie. I'm glad you mentioned the Bombers brand because anyone that listens to this show knows I'm a, a marketing and branding man. So I want to get to that in a sec. But you did say something okay. else as well that I want to touch on. Um, you mentioned the South Queensland Crushers. Is, is there anything, I know that was, you know, over two decades ago now, but is there anything from their short life that you can learn, take on board, or was it just so long ago it doesn't really matter anymore? No, absolutely. Look, part of, you know, moving forward is is learning from the mistakes. And one of the first things uh, we did when we put the, the bid together, uh, we came up with about 20 pages of notes of what we've learned from the past, um, whether it be the Gold Coast Giants or Seagulls or Gladiators or even more recently with the Titans, some of the um, the follies that have come up and the crushes. Um, look, I think it's no, no secret that the Broncos' success has come from, from winning um, you know, they came out on their very first game and played Manly, who were the premiers the year before and beat them by 38 points. Uh, you have to win. And a lot of that goes to your recruitment and your coaching and your elite development pathways. Um, so that needs to be, number one, incredibly strong um, in having those pathways for players to come through and, yep. and win. Um uh, a lot of that is about your your engagement. So going back, um, and I've, I've got to be mindful here, I don't want to discredit anyone, but the Crushers went out and signed Mario Fennick, uh, Mark Hone, Garrick Morgan, um, Sinjin Ellis. And it was a bit of a um, mixed team where you had some guys, you know, on the back end of their careers like, you know, Trevor Gilmeister, et cetera, Dale Shearer. And then you had some cross rugby um, converts coming across. Um, it was just such a, a really mixed fabric of players and they just didn't gel. I think they only won three or four games in their first season. You've got to come out and win. And if you're going to compete against the Broncos, you need a fantastic coach. You need a great spine. And talking about lessons, if you have a look at what the Titans did for all their mistakes in the more recent years, yep. they they had a, a sensational team. They signed Preston Campbell, um, Luke Bailey, Scott Prince, um, straight up as marquee players. And Scott Prince had won the Clive Churchill. Uh, Preston Campbell was a grand final winner with Penrith. Um, you know, they had a really great backline and a really strong engine room. And what a lot of people forget, the Titans made the preliminary final in their fourth season in 2010. Yeah. They were one game away from the grand final. So signing signing players that will give you immediate, immediate success and having a really good structure and development program coming through, um, that is a big lesson from the past with the Crushers. You know, don't, don't sign players on the back end of their career. And you really need to connect with the community. And this is something we've worked incredibly hard on is creating pathways for um, young men and women to come through at all forms of the game. 
um, having elite uh, development squads. And this is where Scott Sattler, our GM of Rugby League, is incredibly gifted. He's done it with the Titans. Uh, he understands the Intrust Super Cup um, and Canterbury Cups, the state competitions, better than anyone else. And in terms of identifying talent, um, We've got a short list of players that if we got the nod tomorrow, we'd know exactly who we're going um, and where we're targeting, depending on the year of entry, of course. Um, so having all those things in play are big, big lessons from the past, um, but you can't go past winning, you know, and, and that's what we've learned from a lot of the um, the failures in the in the past, whether it was the crushes or some of the uh, the franchises on the Gold Coast prior to the Titans. You need to win from the outset. Can you uh, shed any light on who some of those marquee players might be or a coach or something like that or someone yeah, you'd oh, like? Look, it's, yeah, I, I mean, we've, we've been uh, quite open to say someone of um, like Cameron Munster uh, yep. would be perfect. Um, I We'd spoken about uh, Harry Grant a few weeks before he made his Tigers uh, debut. I, I see him as a future State of Origin player. Um Oh, mate, look, there's, there's a number of players that you, you'd love. Um, it'd be great to get a couple of iconic Queenslanders um, just for the local market to get behind. Um, we've been very public to say, you know, if Craig Bellamy was was available and off contract at the year that we, we got in, um, he would be your, your number one candidate. But, you know, Wayne Bennett, for example, is coming off contract at the end of next year at South. If the Bombers were to enter into 2022, you could go a lot yeah. lot worse than, than a couple of those names. So it will come into the year of entry, and Peter Volandis has indicated 2022 is most likely, yeah. um, but 23 could be on the cards with the new TV rights deal. So um, it would depend on what players are available, but Certainly, you need a mixture of experience um, with players that know how to drive a side around a park um, and some younger players to, to come through as well. And uh, I think with what's happening at the Broncos where, you know, they've, they've got a lot of great young players, but just lacking a bit they of experience, experience at the moment. Yeah, Exactly. Yeah. You, you, need, you need that mix. And unfortunately, when you get a few injuries... Um, you know, squads don't have a lot of depth um, in the current situation. So, um, look, it's it's difficult to crystal ball it, not knowing exactly the the year, but but certainly some of those players would be your your marquee, and even someone like a Moses Embai for me, mm. um, who who presents incredibly well, speaks to the media. Um, you know, is very gifted uh, from all reports. It's just a real, real gentleman. Um, it could you could do a lot with your culture, and particularly around young people, where you've got someone of of his caliber and demeanor in your squad. So, again, depending on what year that we enter the comp, um, would determine exactly what your squad is. But there's certainly enough talent, and, and the argument that there's not enough. Um, in the NRL is just a complete fallacy and guys like Harry Grant prove that. You give them an opportunity or Brandon Smith at the, the Stormer or Pappenhausen, uh, you give you give these young men a, a chance, they will step up and take it. I like a lot of those names and even someone like Moses Embai, we don't think about him too much these days, but he would really do for a new club what maybe what Preston Campbell did for the Titans that you mentioned. Like they're the same style of player, good, good, um, good clubman, good personality, so all that sort of thing. And I do like that you mentioned Wayne Bennett as a potential coach, just in case you know you needed to an extra ingredient for that Broncos rivalry. Then uh, you know <laughs> there's no better way to do that. Um, tell me, so brand wise, did you ever consider, or was there ever a consideration to call this thing the Brisbane Crushers or something along those lines? <laughs> Never in a million years would you go <laughs> down that path. It's uh, it's it's been been done and dusted. The the brand for some reason just strikes. It polarises yep. 
Yeah. People, which I actually don't mind, and that's not the reason we went down this path, not to be divisive by any measure, but it, it's intriguing and it, it still intrigues me 10 years later that it, people sit so far onto the extreme. They either absolutely love it and think it's a, it's a brilliant brand and there's so much you can do with it, or they absolutely detest it and, you know, I, I get – Twitter trolled constantly and um, <laughs> yelled at regularly, which, look, I, I, don't, I don't mind that because people are passionate and, uh, you know, I, I thoroughly enjoy talking about it because, you know, if you love it or hate it, the fact is you care. I'd, I'd rather that than someone be apathetic and be like, oh, that, it doesn't worry me one way or the other. The reason we went went down with the brand and we ran a competition up here um, with one of our radio stations now, Hit 105 and Triple M, and we yep. had 10,000 entries. It was called Name the Team because we came out as the Brisbane NRL bid, which didn't mean anything, and you're going up against the Brisbane Broncos, you know, one of the strongest brands in Australian sport. So because we were aiming for 2013 at the time, and this was 2011, we needed some substance and something for, for people to get behind because we didn't want to have the Brisbane NRL bid be the Brisbane Broncos. Yep. So we did a 10,000 uh, entry build our team and there was a short list and there's some pretty pretty wacky names. There was the um, the River City Kookaburras oh, and well. the Eastern Stingrays and, um, you know, yeah, that the crushes came back up and the Bombers was, was part of that mix and, it was it was the bombers in the end that got shortlisted, and when we sat down and we we spoke with you know NRL design experts, um, our consultant had designed the logos for the Titans and the State of Origin logos and the Raiders and the Panthers, and we wanted to try and reach uh, an audience that would transcend. And the same exact same thing happened to the Broncos when they came into the market and people said, well, it's an American horse. Yep. We don't have Broncos in Australia. You should be the Brumbies. And no one really visualizes American horses when they talk about the Broncos. They think about Darren Lockyer and the Maroon Jersey and Kevy Walters and Alfie Langer. And because the Bombers don't have a history, people just look at the name and it doesn't mean anything to anyone. But once once we do get into full swing and you get to see the aviation concepts and the top guns and the mascots that are built in and you know the the aviation feel with the passport and you know, uh, boarding passes it really transcends um, a lot of demographics and can reach young people and again i come back to the entertainment factor there's a lot that you can do with planes and pilots and um, the aviation flair that you just can't do with you know something like a knight or a dragon or a titan or a raider that's actually quite violent when you get to it and i've always said it's not about planes you know with bombs loaded onto them it's about you know top gun pilots and you know the the glamour of the 1940s and 50s aviation and that's what we're trying to bring into the 2020s and it's not just a team for the next five or ten years. It's what does rugby look like in 2050 or 2070? And the only way we're going to grow is by reaching young people and making it fun and entertaining. And that's ultimately what the Bombers brand does. And there, there's no other brand that that we could possibly come up with over the last ten years that would rival what the Bombers brand could do. And you certainly can't do it with you know the Crushers or any of the other names that have have come up over the years. It is interesting. I always say a brand is like a, a, a name, like a, a person's name. 
So, but well, I don't know if you have kids, Nick. But if you um before your baby is born, you think of all these names, and none of them work. You know, you just go round and round in circles. But eventually, the baby's born. You name it, and it makes sense. And because there's there's a person that you attribute to that, and it's kind of what you're saying. Like once a brand is there, and a club is there, and they're winning, and they're successful, and they mean something then all of a sudden bombers could mean something. And it sounds like one question I wanted to ask you is would that name change? But it sounds like you're pretty you're pretty stuck on that on the bombers, Monica. Oh look a name doesn't really mean that much. It's what does it instill? What are the emotions? You know, we're starting to get into, you know, the DNMs of uh, yep. of of a brand now. But you know, a, a brand means different things to different people and you know, I've spoken to a few of my mates who are, who are avid Broncos supporters and, you know, they, they think of, you know, the old Lang Park or the new Suncorp Stadium when they think of the Broncos or Buck the Horse going around. They just don't think of an American Bronco running yep. wild through, you know, Montana in the US, which is exactly what the Bronco means. Um, and it's about instilling different emotions. And I keep harping on about wanting to attract young people. And we've got, you know, a 30 page game day um, activation for fans and members uh, manual that we've put together to say, what does it look like from the moment you get off at the Milton um, train station and walk across into Suncorp Stadium or walk down Caxton Street and come into the, the precinct? What are you going to experience at a Brisbane Bombers game um, from an aviation and from our brand perspective? And worked really hard on the entertainment value because, you know, Peter Volandi summed it up and, you know, I echo his sentiments. We are an entertainment business. And if you're going to pay $50 to, to come to a game, how am I going to get you to do that as opposed to sitting in front of your TV and, you know, ordering your Uber Eats on the couch, which is probably far more comfortable, to mm. be honest. Mm. How am I going to get you to take your kids to the game? And just as importantly, how am I going to get your kids to take their kids to the game? Yeah. And, and, and that's what a lot of the brand positioning is about. And I think the game has really moved forward over the last, you know, five or six years to really focus on that. And, it's the next 20 or 30. I, I just turned 40. So, you know, I plan to be here for hopefully the next 40 <laughs> or 50 years involved with it. But what does the game look like in 2050? And what does a fan experience and what does coming to Suncorp Stadium look like? And if you if you can get that right and get that value proposition for a fan, it's certainly a lot more attractive than staying at home and watching it on TV. And if we're honest, that rugby league's built for TV. Yeah. It's, certainly, it's certainly built for TV and – as technology gets better, it's going to be an even more enjoyable experience to stay at home. So, you know, for hopefully the new team that comes in, you know, we intend to make it a, you know, all-encompassing entertainment experience. And we've worked really hard over the last few years in particular um, on our digital and social media strategies to to say what does it look like to capture as big a part of Brisbane and southeast Queensland as possible and, and hopefully pick up all those fans that the Broncos don't have at the moment. Sounds like a great plan. It sounds like you put, well, you've had 10 years to think about it. So there's definitely, it should be ready. it's all there. It should be ready to go. It, now we've spoken about other, other areas, other locations that a potential 17th club could, could be situated, but we haven't really spoken about the other Brisbane or the other Queensland bids. And there seems to be a few, there's new ones popping up every other day. Tell us about some of the other guys, some of your competition in Queensland for this 17th team. And who do you think? Which one do you think is your biggest threat? Uh, answering it honestly, I think uh, any bid that is going to base itself in the Brisbane CBD is going to be the most competitive, um, reaching 
into the region. So st- starting and accessing that commercial and corporate market that we talked about and then reaching out into the regions north, south and, yeah. and west of Brisbane. The the other bids um, that are in the market at the moment are three Queensland Cup teams in the East Tigers, the Redcliffe Dolphins and the Ipswich Jets. The, the reason we started the Brisbane Bombers was not to compete against any of those, but it, it's a very difficult task for any of those bids um, that currently compete in the Queensland Cup, the Entrust Super Cup competition, to pick up the market because those supporters of those Intrust Super Cup teams are so ingrained in supporting their their current club. They're not going to then support a, a, a rival in the NRL. So if you're a Redcliffe Dolphins fan and the Ipswich Jets bid gets the NRL licence, you've instantly polarised, you know, Wyndham Seagulls, North Devils, South Logan Magpies, Bur- Burley Bears. Yeah, you know, there's, there's a, a myriad of clubs that, you're just not going to get purely because you've put yourself in one specific region. More importantly is is the catchments, that if you go into one of those catchments, you've completely isolated yourself from other catchment areas. So, for example, west of Brisbane, um, you've got, you know, the the Toowoomba Mustangs ready to enter into the Intrust Super Cup. You've yep. got the Ipswich Jets, South Logan. That catchment's bigger than the entire Penrith Panthers um, junior catchment and yeah. development. Wow. So you go and put a, a team, the north of Brisbane in Redcliffe, which you know has a catchment area of about 3,000 juniors, you've completely polarised the entire southwest corner of, of uh, no, the southeast corner. So you've got to be really careful about isolating and polarising yourself. And if, if you go into one of those, you are going to, you know, push yourself away from the others. And that's why we've maintained you start in the, the metropolitan area and push into the regions, not the other way around. And and so in terms of any other competition, you'll find that once um, an expression of interest or a tender goes out, you'll find multiple bids will come out of the, the woodwork. And, yep. and um, I'm all but certain there, there'll probably at least another half dozen Brisbane-based bids that go in along with those those regions that we've talked about. Yep, yep. So you're banking that you can build a history between now and, say, 2050. You mentioned the long term for a while. You can build a better history than, say, the Redcliffe Dolphins could bring in immediately um, over a period of time. Oh, and again, I'll come back to the point. I certainly won't disparage. Like, I, I grew up playing footy out at Redcliffe. Um, yeah. You know, Dick Tossaterno, the godfather of origin, <laughs> yep. um, was, you know, a Redcliffe man through and through. And I, I, I love going out to Dolphin Oval and, and, used to sit on the hill. They've got a great stadium there now. But look, the, the Dolphins, you know, have, have a rich history. Uh, they came in in 1967. So they're as, you know, rich as, I guess, some of the, the Sydney-based NRL clubs. Yep. You, you, can't, you can't replicate that. But also, you know, they're, to put it in context, they're two and a half times the distance Manly is from the Sydney Football Stadium. Mm. Um, for, yep. for New South. So that's how far out of Brisbane they are. It's, you know, an hour and a bit train ride into Suncorp Stadium. So if you do get a Thursday night game, it's going to be extremely difficult to get fans, you know, in from the peninsula um, into Suncorp and then back out to Redcliffe again. So it make, makes it a really difficult um, proposition to to utilise Suncorp Stadium on a weekly basis. But look, in, in terms of developing history, uh, and the, the Broncos are a testament to this, you don't necessarily need a rich history to to get immediate traction. Um, you can develop that through the way you perform, 
what your culture represents, your pathways, how you develop and treat your fans at a grassroots level, how well ingrained you are into the community. Um, you know, his, history is important, but uh, it's more about your direction and what you stand for and the culture and the principles, you know, and anyone that's part of society would understand that, you know, if you can create a, a level of integrity and sustainability for your business and your sport, you're always going to be more successful than any historical traction that you might already have. Great answer. Um, let's say hypothetically, uh, Peter Valandis, the NRL, they approve an 18-team competition for 2023, for example. You're guaranteed spot 17, so the Bombers are in. I love your enthusiasm. <laughs> <laughs> who, should, who should be at the number 18? All right, well, uh, let's entertain it because, look, I, I actually think they'll they'll end up back at 16 teams by the end of the decade, um, and there's some discussion that they'd like to see as little as 14, which is for uh, for mine's far greater than mine to uh, to decide that. But look, in terms of 18, if you were going to go down that path, I mean, you mentioned, um, you know, I think a second New Zealand franchise um, or Perth. Uh, look, I think it's... It's really difficult because if you if you say you look at Perth, for example, um, they have a reasonably decent um, local competition there. Um, but when you say take the nines at the start of this year, for yep. example, the preseason tournament, I think they got ten thousand on day one and and fourteen thousand on day two. Um, those numbers aren't great for uh, a preseason tournament. Um, obviously, they had some success with the state of origin, but uh, you, you'd have to almost take over some games regularly on a basis before you made that call to go to Perth. You know, I'd, if I was running the game, I'd probably like to see six or eight games taken over there consistently for three or four years um, and see what those numbers look like. At the moment, I think there's three NRL games mm. going there. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's very similar to what the NFL has done in London. That Their goal is to have a London-based NFL side mm. by 2026, I believe. So they're getting more and more games played there um, on a casual basis. And I think if we replicated that type of mindset for Perth, or Wellington, for example, before you go to 18, that that would give you a level of confidence as to what the market's going to do. Um, and we've seen that here in Brisbane where, you know, we've had double headers, we've had magic round. Um, that just demonstrates the appetite for the game. So, look, I, I don't believe they'll go to 18. In fact, I think we'll end up back at 16 by the end of the decade, as I said. But, yeah, I'll, I'll let that for a mind bigger than mine to decide if they do go to 18 where that would be. Very interesting. And when do you expect a decision on on an extra club in Brisbane, for example? Well, if we are going for 2022, the team would assemble um, one October next year. So um, we're running out of runway uh, very quickly. But the good part, and this is what I've reassured the commission, if, if they gave us 12 to 15 months um, from that date, we would be more than ready um, to enter in. So, you know, we, we'd need to know by August or September of this year for 2022. Um, very similar. If you're going to push it back a year, you know, you, you'd love to see 18 months to to get everything set up, but we're, we're all but ready to go. Um, the hardest part is just having your, your playing squad and actually going yep. out into the market to sell your memberships and your corporate packages and your corporate clubs and uh, get your sponsors. So um, the more lead time you, you've got, the more successful you're going to be. But also if you've got structures in place, you've just got to back um, the strategy that you've got 
and work to your timelines and the rest of it can fall into place. So we're certainly not short of time. It sounds like a lot of the, like there's been a lot of hard work over the last decade, but the, the hard work is yet to begin really. And um, mate, is there anything, anything you want to mention before we uh, end this discussion? Is there anywhere our listeners can get behind you guys, support the Bombers and what you're doing or find out more? Yeah, absolutely, man. I appreciate the, the opportunity to chat through it. Look, we've got a Facebook page, um, they're Brisbane Bombers, of course, and our website is brisbanebombers.com.au. Uh, we have an airmail that people can sign up to and, and keep in touch. Um, but, but ultimately, look, just appreciate people's interest um, and for the opportunity to, to hear a little bit more about our vision. And, you know, I just think it's fantastic that people are so passionate about uh, rugby league or rugby league as the great rugby man league. calls it. <laughs> rugby league, I love it. It's no, it's look, it's it's just great to talk about it. And I think the fact that it polarizes people is and and people have so much care about our game. You know, it's for a lot of people it's it's their escapism, it's their joy. Um, you know, and, and people love riding the highs and lows and, and we we just want to be part of that. We want to see more people playing. We want to see more people coming to the games and, and hopefully just for the, the game to grow. And I know for you and your podcast, a lot of it is about growing the international game. And I see that being a tremendous opportunity. And, you know, we are, we'd love to support, you know, at a grassroots, um, more teams in the Intrust Super Cup. We'd love to see the uh, Pacific 13 come in. And Definitely. More rugby league in New Caledonia. And, you know, we've, we see Jamaica qualify for the um, 2021 Rugby League World Cup and we've supported them over the years. And we've had Vanuatu come and play at a almost curtain raiser a few years ago. So I think just when the when the, the game is exciting and we're seeing it grow domestically and there's opportunities internationally, guys like you and I and, and hopefully a lot of your listeners that um, enjoy your podcast just want to see it succeed and thrive and we just want to be part of that journey and, and hopefully um, we get the opportunity to to impress the commission and if we, we are granted the licence, it's you know it's a lot of responsibility to, to grow the game, particularly in the southeast corner, but we think we're the, the right choice for it. Mate, you keep saying the words grow the game or grow rugby league and I think, um, yeah, I couldn't think of a better way to end end this discussion mate good luck uh i hope i'm not speaking to you in 10 years time talking about expansion still <laughs> it's been a long journey but uh hopefully you get an answer soon and nick livermore thanks for chasing kangaroos with me tonight thanks for having me along anytime